0: I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions.
1: 18 plus. For Always Record episode 116, we have a special surprise. This is some... uh, audio that was recorded on the night of 4.20 going into 4.21, uh, we have these monthly Google Hangouts for SyncBook Plus members. You can find out about this at thesyncbook.com slash membership. This is some audio from later in the night that uh, we ended up reconnecting after a series of technical difficulties. Uh, some of the people were able to come back in, and um, bunch of, uh, there's a bunch of people in this call, amazing, amazing crew. And uh, please, please enjoy. Thanks. I have an obsession with the number 317, but there's also uh, in quantum physics, right? There's uh, 1 divided by 37. Uh, we spoke to David Pete, he said David Bohm was obsessed with the number 137, right? Mm
0: hmm. Yeah, it's a fine structure constant.
1: Right. And but even, So, like, even though it wasn't the fraction, he said the number 137 always came to him, right? Yeah. But of course, we see it as a fraction in quantum physics. For myself, I have number 317. There's also, um, Sonor, the, the Japanese blogger, did something about, uh, another variation. Anyway, I start thinking 13 month old baby, 7 years, and I'm like, hmm. Oh, uh, sorry, and I've also considered the, uh, common number given for the age of the universe. They say the Big Bang happened. What is it, thirteen point seven years ago? thirteen point seven billion years ago. That's their best yeah. guess. Right. So thirteen point seven, right? So again, we go mm-hmm. thirteen and a seven. Yeah. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, hmm, I wonder if there's anything if I divided thirteen by seven, what that would give me. I'm like, maybe there's a mathematical key to that. hmm right. And I'm just driving along and I'm thinking all these things and I'm thinking, oh, okay. Maybe 13 divided by 7. Right? Well, I get stuck in traffic. Okay? And I'm stuck behind this fucking big ass truck. And at some point I sort of start looking, you know, you're just, I'm just sitting there, just sitting there, sitting there, sitting there. At some point I look at the fucking truck. Someone spray painted on the back of the truck, like, well, pretty small, but it was there. Mm hmm. 7 over 13. It was almost as if I'm sitting there going, hmm, should I divide 13 (laughs) divided by 7? And the universe said, no, asshole, you got it backwards. It's 7 divided by 13. (laughs) Right? And I'm like, okay. So I tried to snap a picture, and I wrote it on my hand, and I'm like, okay, I have to remember this. But I have no idea what that means. It was like, I was pondering it, and it was as if the universe gave me the correct Formula or whatever you want to call it, but I still don't know what seven divided by thirteen or what that what the connotation there is. And I'm just curious if that does Wally
2: from like a musical perspective or John from any anybody you know like what. I, I was just typing seven divided by thirteen, and I was like, hey, that was my area code seven one three when I was growing up.
3: That's about that's that's my contribution. One <laughs> uh, thing, Alan, uh, uh,
4: this, this, this
3: <laughs> When when you had the uh, 137, I think John, you guys talked about one of your old records, and it was Wolfgang Pauli was obsessed with this number, and oh, it was Pauli.
1: Uh,
3: that's it. Yes. Yeah. It and uh, I, and my, anytime I hear a number, my first question is: Is it odd? Okay. Is it prime? Okay. Yes, it is prime. And then this is the 33rd prime, and so it, to me, triggered into all the 33 mysteries of like the apotheosis <clears> of you know, um, just the Masonic, I mean, you know, so I just think it added to the mystery of this 137 for me, just hearing from the prime number perspective, um, but yeah, 7 over 13 is point five three eight. if that does anything to anybody, um, but yeah, just to throw it out, and that's what kicked me off into the 17 prime issues, I don't know if you saw that in my write-up in that article, but the number 17 is this fascinating prime number, and, and the reason why I started in all that research was this Wolfgang Pauli discussion you guys had on Always Record hmm. thinking about the nature of crime. And anyhow, it's uh, fascinating. <clears throat> it's funny, because
1: in Mark's talk tonight, he was talking about the number 17. Him and Marty Leeds discussed the number 17 a little bit, and it's funny, because I've been obsessed with 17 for so many years, and everybody finds it interesting for a completely different reason. But there is something very real there. There's something to that number. I don't. I don't fucking know. You know, like oh, yeah. oh, every, yeah.
3: everybody finds so a weird special number. I mean, yeah.
0: well, then Mark was. That's. I think that's what Mark said. Like seventeen by seventeen equals four thousand ninety-six. I think that's his angle, or something like that. How he got there, I don't fucking know. But um, that's he uses it for that. And I know, yeah, it's just, like, it's probably my most important number. I don't know. It's, uh, I guess all these numbers intervene in our lives in certain ways. They take on a constellation in our heads. But they're all significant. Um, and I'll say that, like, it's a little annoying, though, to have them take on enough significance where you, I don't know, it's, I don't want to be looking for them everywhere. I have other stuff to do. <laughs> and it's, like, fun sometimes. But also I start annoying myself because I'm like, well, if things are happening in your life, you don't really have to look for it, per se. It's like Alan, in your case, it's just gonna be like on the front of the truck right in front of you. I shouldn't have to do all this puzzle solving because then I'm just constructing, I'm just making stuff up. It's not really sync. So I'm always like dangerous or I-, I always feel dangerous playing with numbers too much in that regard. But um just the fact that it's jumping out at you that hard is just funny. It's just cool. It's just like again, that's just like it doesn't have to mean anything beyond, hey, here's a little pattern that I'm showing you that it's both subjective, objective at the same time. This is sync, so I'm, it's still with you. It's just like a wink, but it's not important necessarily. That's like I don't know. I, I guess I'm as someone that's trying to not go insane. That's how I'm trying to retain some sanity with it. One of the things I'm talking about. Go
2: ahead.
3: Oh, I'm just saying before, it's interesting because uh, Misty was, she was saying that we had this synchronicity when you guys were talking about 17, I guess John had texted her, and then we were having this whole discussion about the star and the number 17 Of course, that's the tarot trump, and yeah. our discussion was really, was really about this idea of groundedness in the uh, insanity of the kind of psychedelic extremes of synchronicity, you know, 42 Minutes just had this person on, and they were talking about how he kind of got really tripped out there, and David Bowie got <clears throat> tripped out, and you know, this idea of being body, the star is the first trump with a person, and she's on the ground kneeling. And so we're talking about groundedness and kind of as an antidote to this, the risk of kind of tripping out too far. Um, so it's interesting you bring that up, John. And Doug was talking about how he would literally dig his hands in the dirt sometimes when he got too far out there to just kind of feel it, to be, kind of feel these other elements. So I just find that interesting mm-hmm.
0: along the it's going to be really spooky because <laughs> it's so <clears throat> obvious when you're getting it heavy. It's like, again, these little games I'm playing with the numbers, I can take them and leave them, and I these little things enter my life and they leave them, and I recognize them as Sync, and I, looking back on my life I've seen them for a long, long time. But then you go through a cluster where it's like, what? It feels very like you have a foot in both worlds for a while. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you guys ever got this, but I got a I was getting a number of, I would just term them empty vessel moments. Uh, a lot of people just parodying either your own thoughts or uh, you, something you were just talking about with someone else or something that gives extreme insight into what you're going through, even though it's like it's like an argument outside your door to strangers. Arguing. And arguing about something that's like close to what you're dealing with. It's so fucking weird. And it, it spooks you out. Uh, I don't know. It's so it's good to like have just this cluster of people to look at because everyone's gone through it in their own way, at least uh, in some way, shape, or form, whether it's big or small. Like I haven't had a lot of large episodes, but uh, what I have had has been pretty intense. But most of it's just like small, you know, like oh, I force I was doing these drawings when I was young, and now I'm really into these kinds of geometrical questions and so on. It's just I know Alan, you've put that in some of your writing too, and that. You know, there's minor premonition in, in the art you do, and the unco- you know automatic drawing or writing or whatever it is, it's just like tapping into that unconscious dimension, and it's like you are tethered to something pulling you from the future. It's kind of weird.
1: Oh, I'm muted. Can I hear from you guys? Uh, so we have uh, John. So John is a carpenter. Sj is a photographer. Wally's a musician. You know, sort of what do you guys find as far as um, you know the artistic expression being connected to these sort of uh, you know altered states in this in this in the sense of how john was describing and so sort of like you know intoxicated or psychedelic but um sort of altered time
3: space well I'll say i mean for me like photography is such a present moment it's like the athletes describe getting on the court and they just they're playing you know at these almost uh visceral and sort of uh, somatic w- uh, levels it's just a kind of this they're just the athlete the zone I guess they call it for me photography is all about the zone and once you enter the zone and you you're, you're actually doing the heavy lifting of the work it's almost like what happens isn't doesn't make itself known sometimes for even years afterwards um, like for instance my big think was the 42. I did this pole project, you guys know, of the Lost Dogs, before the Sync Book Press even started, and it was 42, and it sort of propelled me into connection with you guys. So I feel like it's still reverberating, some of the things that happened in that state of the zone. Um, and anyhow, I just throw that out there, that there does seem to be some kind of um, metaphysical element that kind of comes through. For me, um, and it's very easy to tap into. I mean, I don't know. That's how I know I'm on the right path often. And it's just kind of, oh, this is, I'm not having to struggle for this. It's just, I'm in that groove, you know. Um, but, yeah, it's. I, I don't know. That reverberating quality, unpredictable nature of art. One of my favorite photographers, Robert Adams, always says, I have, you know, I go out and make photographs, but I have no idea what's going to happen. And often the ones that are the best are ones that are just, I got lucky. It was like a magic sort of thing. Synch- uh, coincidence, I guess. Accidents. Happy accidents.
0: Well, and think... a
3: tree over it? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Had
1: the happy accident? <laughs> what Bob, what was Were you talking about Bob Ross, the happy little accidents. I said, yeah, a tree uh, over it. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, the, you know, an accidental <laughs>
3: initiatement in that whole title of the book, but yeah, no. Just, you know, the artists talk, like, you see the, uh, Rolling Stones, that video where they're making sympathy for the Devil, and how it just kind of unfolds. It didn't seem very planned, you know. They just kind of opened up the mind space, and then something came through, you know. Wally, I heard,
1: uh, like I said, I really, it was like total my computer got freezing. I heard you say something in that previous call that we did you said something about, you were referring to this as being related to jazz. Oh, yeah. Which I've thought about a lot myself. I'm curious if you could kind of...
2: Well, yeah, I, I got the idea. Um, I was listening to a podcast uh, on SyncBook Radio. I forget which one now. I was kind of binging on it a few days ago. And somebody mentioned that their process is kind of like jazz and and. Uh, what I said on the last show, uh, in my own little, you know, uh, response to just kind of uh, <clears throat> encountering this community and just kind of, you know, because you had mentioned in on uh, either one of your shows or I think maybe some footage I saw from the summit about taking a, um, a kind of journalistic approach to... to uh, you know the analysis that you guys are doing, um, which I, I thought was a, a great way to describe it, and um, and in the last call, uh, what I said is, I feel like, or my response to the kind of work that you guys are doing here is that, in a, in a kind of weird way, it feels like the natural evolution of jazz, um, and I, what I mean by that is. <clears throat> It's kind of like I make that statement kind of uh, in the uh, the spirit of um, uh, Marshall McLuhan, um, who is uh, another hero of mine. And uh, what I mean by that is, you know, uh, in the age of jazz, when it really kind of became established into what we recognize it as today which would have been in the mid-40s with the formation of the first really small jazz combos, like four-piece, 4 five-piece four five piece combos, like Charlie Parker uh, and Dizzy Gillespie and the original bebop combos. Before that, they were just all big bands. Um, and these guys were, you know, they grew up in the age of, of radio, and that was their media, print and radio, basically. And so they, they were these kind of walking encyclopedias of the media of their time, which was sound-based. And, and they were musically uh, very adept and able to kind of, um, you know, they were full of information about all of the music of their time. And these, these combos would get, get together in these, little, in these little clubs, and they all knew the same standard songs, they weren't called standards back then they were just the pop music of the last 30 years and they would take the basic form of these songs you know that they all knew and then they would just completely discombobulate them with all of their musical trickery and constantly quoting and referencing and and and, and just you know tearing it up with each other and and, and debating and arguing musically um, and they're 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 they were conversing with the media that was predominant uh, in their time, and today, you know, obviously media uh, is capable of, you know, taking any form, uh, whether it's film or music or, or literature, etc., um, and, you know, listening to all these podcasts and everything and just kind of and, and watching a lot of these videos of theories of all of these different pop culture films and stuff, it just felt like jazz, you know, I mean, it's just like all of these walking encyclopedias of media just kind of coming together and jamming really, uh, but now using the language of all media, and uh, so that was kind of the the point I guess I was trying to make. So
0: I also I see parallels between as far as like art movements and sync uh, Dadaism.
2: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, Absolutely.
0: Yeah, that was actually pointed out to me, uh, not too long ago, but it's like, oh yeah, that's, uh, that's a pretty good, pretty good analogy. And as far as like a ma, a magical paradigm goes, I think it's as close to Discordianism as you can get. But Discordianism was too funny. Um, yeah. I think we take ourselves too seriously to be Discordians, but we're at least in that spirit, and Alan especially embodies like the Robert Anton Wilson principle of, just, uh, Acknowledging our limitations of perception and uh, sure, what, what sure. we should say and not shouldn't say about these phenomenon is, you know So I, I, he does an amazing job of walking that line. It's really hard to maintain. I've tried to get better at it I'm naturally dogmatic like I, I think all of us are that, yeah. So to hold that middle position and be like well, you know, it could be this it could be that it's not easy to do sure. It's uncomfortable
2: Yeah, I mean um uh, speaking of just the, you know, the limits of the perception, I think, you know, what Ma, uh, McLuhan talks about is, and and how he gets, and how you can take a kind of perspective of through media itself, is, you know, all media, all technology in general, he says, is an extension of various parts of the human body. Um, and, you know, like, a, a car is the extension of the foot, um, or, um, you know, uh, glasses are an extension of your eyeballs. Um, clothes are an extension of your skin, etc. And so, you know, these tools that we come to rely on as extensions of, you know, that allow us to supersede the limitations of our perception, so to speak, uh, end up kind of uh, rewiring our brain in a way that...
0: Right. Like, where does uh, supersede... Right. If we supersede it, I mean, where does that take us? It just takes us into a new dimension of abstraction because it's exactly. the universe is so deep and so big. <laughs> uh, you know, we're we're just like it's. uh I think a lot of what we're trying to do is a fool's errand, but at the same time yeah, I'm, I'm more interested in exploring man, you know, the, our minds I think we just take sure. those for granted and we're always looking to the stars and this and that and like, hmm, well it's like there's not a, look at the planet it's fucking in a horrible shape, people are acting like assholes, why don't we address that first before, <laughs> like, some... oh we need space colonies and shit, it's like, why so we can go, uh be a you virus somewhere a else. over there yeah yeah it's like <laughs> I, I don't think space wants us so it's like we got to figure out what's happening here and i think sync and uh you know there's no going backwards like we're not going to go back to fucking indigenous culture as we knew it or anything and so within what we have which is very vacuous and soulless in a lot of ways and materialistic and pointlessly competitive and i could go on and on uh there have to be ways to get people in touch with that unconscious side of themselves, and sync is the most accessible. Because what are you going to do? Go tell them to do Crowley ceremony magic? I mean, sure. whatever. It's like well, no.
2: I feel like there's this idea
1: of um, holding multiple ideas in one's head is not just to you know for the idea of um, ultimate subjectivity, but for me to try. Like when we talk about uh, <clears throat> communication, and you're trying to convey an idea to me. I need to see it. I can. I can get a concept, but I'll never fully see it through your eyes. You said the eyes are the extension of, you know, it's like the glasses being the extension of the eye, but to say right. the perspective is unique to each person, right? Right. So right. all I can do is attempt to try and wear your perspective, like a pair of glasses or a shirt or whatever, For a moment, and try and see. And I think this is why the idea of viewing multiple or being able to hold multiple things, and then allowing those things to communicate, this was where the jazz uh, idea sort of really speaks to me. I'm not a musician. I wish to God that I I could uh, that I was, or that I that that I understood that language. I don't. But while you're talking, it occurred to me that only once in my life. So, you know, like, some people, they can close their eyes and, like, picture something, right? Like, Sure. you know, like, I, I have, I, I can't do that. I, I, like, I, I can conceptualize something. I do a lot of visual art, but I can't close my eyes and picture something. I can't actually see it. I can conceptualize it. I, that's probably why I do art, is because I have to do the work to make it come kind of close. My friend used to say, he's like, you mean you can't just, like, close your eyes and picture this girl naked or something? I'm like... Dude, if I could, I'd never leave the fucking house. You know, I was like, I can't, I can't do that. You know, it's like um, that's a sort of joking example, but my parents, I can't, and I can't do that with music either. But it was on a 4:20. Now this is a big holiday for me, but it was—it's just funny. It was on a 4:20 a number of years ago, and I was—I distinctly remember sitting up on my roof, smoking some weed, and there was pizza, and I'm just suddenly, I heard this music. And I was trying so hard to convey to people, I was like, "You don't hear that?" Like, I I was like, and I started. I remember writing it down. I was like, because I was like, I could reproduce this. This was actually music that I knew I could somehow reproduce. I was like, it's like if you could play (laughs) the bass line from Steve Miller Band's "Jet Airliner" with this, you know, like I was like, as you said, it was pre. It was, it was speaking in the encyclopedia of, of music when you said these people walking around with this in their heads. Sure. I was walking around with all these little snippets of things sure. that somehow, something triggered in my brain that I could hear them all at once and the way they they spoke to each other, the way that they perfectly complemented each other. Right. But it was only in that brief moment that I was able to hold those four different you know, or five different songs or instruments together in my brain at once, Mm -hmm. and to me, these are like the truly transcendent sync moments, is when I can understand your perspective, and SJ's perspective, and John's perspective, and the other John's perspective, and if there's a moment where I can go, oh, fuck, I get it, I get it, okay, we're all kind of hitting on the same thing, but you know, of course we're going to all have our own spin on it or our own biases or our own, whatever, our perspectives. You know, we bring ourselves into it. But if there's those moments where we can transcend that and I can understand each of your perspectives at once and get get a little bit outside my own limitations, that to me is where these conversations can be that kind of transcendent jazz, if that makes any sense.
3: He does. It's like a sense of feeding off of each other, too, I mean, like, uh, you know, this idea, the ideas of totalizing theories that are kind of monolithic, I mean, we got to get over that, obviously, but I learned so much from just, like, listening to Always Record or John show or any of these shows. It's feeding my, perce- my perception. It's like it's like a reinvigorating and making new the perceptive possibilities that I can bring to my present moments that are going to be coming in the future, you know, so. There's sort of a necessity, and I think this idea of human beings being a communal thing, I mean, we're not on an island, right? We, we're, this is all about connecting and connecting with each other. And So anyhow, I, I'm, I'm, I think there's a real promising and hopeful element to sharing perspective. I mean, these are obvious things, as I'm saying them, but <laughs> even in the, from the sync perspective, you know, it's like, I hear I was record 137, oh, then
4: that triggers something in me, then it triggers my research, and we kind of build off of each other. So it's beautiful. One of my favorite things about listening to all these recordings is always, um, not understanding what you guys are talking about, resonating with what you're talking about, like, sort of getting it, but then, like, uh, uh, then, uh, thinking about it more, or, uh, learning something else somewhere else, and realizing, hey, those things are, like, all the same, right? Like, uh, like going back with Dave Plate's uh, uh Tree of Life stuff, um him like, you know, uh every time he, he named one of the Sephiroth, I was like, Man, I gotta understand that a little bit better. And uh it's sort of a, a push. Uh, uh with my art, um I don't know how uh see I just make like objects and uh they uh, they don't really. Uh, my reason why I like making things is uh, I like making things that are useful, right? Things that, that add to people's lives instead of having, uh, uh, like crappy light switch plates where <laughs> you go and you turn the light on and off and it's just a piece of plastic that you look at all the time. Something just a little nicer, just to, to add a little bit extra to your life. Um, Sometimes some of my my work is uh uh like I like making uh anks and uh like little figurines that are um <clears throat> like little uh ma- ma- mama pachas or or uh, a little while ago I did, I made a little bes which is like a little egyptian god and um, so you know I only make them because uh uh those things had power for people in other times, and sometimes those things can have power for people now. But I only make them for the power that other people perceive in those things. You know, <clears throat> I don't do it because I have I see power in them. Like like I'm making a wand for for someone
0: uh, <laughs> right now. Someone nearby. And, um. Like, I
4: don't believe in believe in magic, but um, when I'm making it, I, I make pretend that I do. Like, I want it to be a magical object, even if the person that I'm giving it to uh, believes or doesn't believe in the magic. Uh, I want to, to make it... Like, all the tools that I use, I made myself. When I'm making the the um, the wand, and I only do that because I heard that that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to make your own tools to put the magic into <laughs> into the uh, the object. So I don't know uh, how, um, as far as my carpentry goes, how I I don't see how it relates to you know. It's hard for me to put synchronicity into it. Or, you know. No, I I don't don't I don't I, I totally see it
1: because you know, um, number one, you are getting into a zone. Number two, it's the grounded side of it. Like you guys yeah as Jay said with the you know like the seventeen and the star and grounding and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. To me this is what um this is why I have frustration when people talk like Saturnian, quote unquote Saturnian being a bad thing and to me it's a very necessary thing sometimes. The physical, the material, the grounded, you know, people think of this as, like, base, because we all want to transcend and be happy little star children and shit. But, you know, that physical object is incredibly real. You know, I'm, I'm hesitant to say it's more real than these abstract ideas. But I'm saying... It's, we, if we can at least call it a different end of the spectrum, but it's, uh, I've had a really hard time over the last number of years really trying to convey the importance of balancing those two things, where it's like you can have your head in the clouds and your feet on the ground type thing. Yeah,
4: yeah,
1: yeah. I like that, totally. I yeah. feel I am in
4: it.
1: Exactly. And so Physical, the physical carvings are the grounded objects. You know, they are the the feet on the ground. They are the earth, earthly. You know, I'm not. I'm not trying to sound like mystical. I'm, tr- I'm trying to be very. Bye. Uh, yeah, yeah,
0: that
1: works. I think they're hugely important. It's like it's a hugely important um, energetic or concept or whatever you however you want to say that.
4: Yeah. Well, like I make a spoon. Right? It's the same kind of thing, right? Um, um, <clears throat> lots of people have metal spoons. Uh, but, you know, when, you, when you're when you making something with a, a spoon that you like, it makes a difference. You know, if you like cooking and you, you're using a spoon that you like to use, it makes a difference in your cooking. You know? It gives you an extra little bit of enjoyment, and that carries on with other things. Like, I'm not saying... Or I don't think that uh, that my like what I make doesn't doesn't affect other people it's just you know there's sort of a uh, a little bit of a separation where I'm I'm just making it and the other people like they're the ones that are 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 getting the they're the ones that are putting the concept into it right no matter what I've, I've done you know.
1: But isn't the same to be said for any of us? Like, yeah, yeah. SJ, SJ takes the photograph. He's just making it. The other person has to come and interpret it. And they're going to... It's either going to speak to... They're either going to go, that's a shitty photograph. Or they're going to like that's a beautiful photograph. Or they're going to like holy shit, that takes me to another world. Or whatever. Never mind, my dad. Right. You know, someone's going to hear Wally's music or see his film and go, oh, okay. They, they have to bring themselves to it. You guys are convincing me of this as you speak by saying, hey, I listened to always record and it reminded me of blah, or it made me consider this content, whatever it is. For me, I'm making it and then it goes out into the world I have no control over it. I have no... Yeah, so it's like, what does the next person do with it? It's just a... We're like past objects through time, but
3: someone else is going to have a different use for it or a different... Ingression a novelty. I don't know if you guys heard the, uh, Marty Leeds interview with, uh, Dennis McKenna. But, uh, I think there's an element of that in play too. Just, we're kind of all, as we collectively kind of release things and then inspire people, you know, we may be going into some kind of novelty. Uh, technologically speaking, uh, you know, or, 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 in, you know, in, internally, spiritually, I mean, a lot of, theories about like, the singularity. Maybe there's going to be an AI Godhead. I saw that movie, Ex Machina. I don't know. It's just out. Yeah, that's an interesting.
0: I mean, every, every moment is infinite novelty, though. That's what's so interesting. It's like, oh, we're going to reach a point of infinite novelty. We're already there. It's like, yeah, it's yeah, every that's yeah. moment. It's like what are we waiting for? No, I, <clears throat> you know?
3: I don't think there's one point. In that, in that interview, they talk about that. <laughs> uh, Dennis says, well, Terrence got all tripped out on finding the perfect one point as opposed to just the idea that it's getting more novel,
0: and yeah, the real break—it's always a process. There is no end, <laughs> or if there is no omega, it's like I don't know. I don't know what to make of uh, a beginning or an end. It seems like everything is an ongoing process. And
4: well, I I thought it was like there there wasn't uh, his point was there wasn't uh, an end or a beginning, but there was just points, right? And it sort of it, it comes to a point, and then it. It just
0: carries on, right? The the wave repeats mm. itself. Hm. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I I totally. agree. that,
4: that was my figuring. I can wrap my head around that.
0: And there's a concept. I'm forgetting where it's embodied, but like, I think it's just in like a simple ripple of a pond. If it's going like out and it bounces back in on itself, it's in a contained space. Basically, the wave reaches the center and then it does kind of like a flip, and then it bounces back out. So it's like this constant, yeah uh it just shifts into a new space so it doesn't end per se or it doesn't begin per se. But um <clears throat> I think like with singularity and stuff it just I, I mean I can't object to it, I guess on intellectual grounds. At the same time I think it's fetishizing and kinda silly and, and putting all kinds of money in pointless technologies. But that's just my perspective on it. I mean it's someone else's religion. It's religion for atheists, it's weird. It's like just accept that you're just say you're spiritual or something. Instead of just like pretending you're this objective, uh, tough guy scientist, except there's no god, but there might be a supercomputer I can download my consciousness into. It's like what the fuck? Just, it doesn't make. I don't I like agree. it. Totally I don't like bad. it. That's all. That's all. So it's like it's cool. Like AI's all good. I mean, whatever. It's if we could, uh, sure, maybe we'll make consciousness or something. It's I don't know. I don't want them to think- be my.
2: I don't be, think AI is possible.
0: I, I don't think it is either, but it's like yeah. I, can't it's lot, it's say, I can't say I can't say it's Im- impossible. And it, and it, you
2: know? it may have already even happened, and if it is, if it is possible, I don't know that we'd ever notice. Well, here's
0: what what what's going on. It already has happened because we're already you, ruled really, by can institutions. I ask for
1: clarification: How are you guys defining? Like, do you mean as far as like
0: technological? Artificial, yeah, quote artificial quote, intelligence so I think
2: or artificial? I'm just curious. Yeah. I think that I the definition of AI has evolved. As our as our own ideas of what AI could be has evolved, um, so right now it seems to be like a, a, a essentially, you know, a machine capable of learning and 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 a machine capable of consciousness and um, self-propagating. Yeah,
0: but the singularity is the moment when their intelligence allegedly trumps humans, and at that point. There's all sorts of like doomsday. This, this accelerated
2: thing, yeah.
0: Right, and um, and then at that point we become their ass slaves, and you know, then it's yeah, that's the,
1: that's why I guess yeah. When you say like, um, there's a distinction between it becoming more intelligent. Like we can have a, a robot beat somebody at Jeopardy or chess, but exactly. that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that that computer can um, you know, have a. You know, quote unquote, yeah, feeling all the, all the, that whole spectrum of, well, a lot and of the
2: existing, spectrums we can't re hit either. You know? a, a lot of the existing work, um, based on just, uh, uh, like with Ray Kurzweil and, um, some of the knowledge based computing stuff, uh, and all the ways in which the, the stuff that kind of drives something like Watson, um, from what, you know, I'm I'm not an expert. From what I've been able to glean from it, though, it's uh, a lot of the kind of stuff that they're feeding uh, that um, those machines and, and the software is is very language based and all about natural language um, and machine readable ontologies and uh, natural language processing. Um, but all of the language that they're teaching is is just print based and verbal language, and and I guess my own philosophies uh, and, and the y- uh, convictions that AI isn't really possible is because human communication is just so much more broad in terms of mm-hmm. uh, the ways in, you know the media in which it can it can uh, be carried out be carried out that uh, and and the the human capacity for communication in ways that we don't even know exist yet are going to continue to expand in a way I don't think a machine will ever really be able to keep up with. So it's not just it's not just verbal or or or, or written based language that a, a machine is going to need to know in order to even appear intelligent.
1: Is there like um, was it the was it Burrows the idea of like languages a virus? Um, is that like a we are we essentially infecting our AI with the language virus like? linear print faced
3: thought. Yeah,
2: because well, yeah. yeah, I I think there's so many other kinds of languages besides just just words, essentially. For the biological language of like
3: epigenetics and the mystery of the genome. That that's why I tend to be skeptical, is like there's some kind of biological core here that I don't think that how can a machine replicate? I mean, I'm just skeptical. I'm open minded with skeptics. Sure, sure.
0: And like basically, the, a lot of the research—it's—it's not—it's all highly compartmentalized. It's a hodgepodge of, oh, we're working on vision, we're working on this, we're working on that, and then they think and it's they very can, just, fragmented, yeah, yeah, and then they think they can just bring it together, uh, in the you know, at the goal line and just pull it all together. It, it's not going to oh. happen that way. And it uh, seems
2: more and, yeah. like in mainstream science, like disciplines continue converging, and like you, can, you know, there's more and more like lectures online of like a guy from the physics department lecturing the biology department, is like, spends half the time just justifying being there. And they're like embarrassed that their disciplines are converging as if, you know, and then suddenly they accept that it's connected and it's like, Oh, we knew all along,
0: (laughs) but it's still slow. It's slow. I mean, academics are slow because it's uh, still people's needs hierarchy are programmed into their positions and what they say and what they do. So they have to stay conservative and preserve their ideas as long as they can, because that keeps them fed. And well, and employed. and, employed, and, you know, esteem. I mean, people are hungry for status because we're all just like, you know, we're fucking primates. And so everyone's just looking for status in their own way. And we've facilitated that, uh, in the intellectual domain. It's like you don't have to kill your rival anymore to, like, be top dog. You just have to rise to the top of some sort of intellectual institution. And I don't know, it'd be a PR voice or push paper or something. Sure that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like. Are you guys still cool for going for a little bit? I know it's late uh, for some of us. I don't know. It's one twenty here.
2: Oh my, yeah,
0: I'm on the west coast. So it's oh, you You're still good. So it's like I, I'm a night owl anyway. So I'm happy to go for like another twenty minutes or so because I'm sure. rec- I'm the one recording. So it's just like I don't want to bail, and uh, if everyone's still got stuff to say, so I, at the very least I can just sit here and listen.
3: Yeah, I can go for 20 minutes.
0: Okay. so 20,
3: 20 after 12 here in Austin.
0: Okay, yeah. So we'll aim for that, and if it's still going strong, I won't stop it, but um, we'll just aim for that.
3: Yeah, one thing on this idea of, like, ineffability and and inspiration and these kind of mystical or, like, non-verbal uh, experiences that I think are a really important part of synchronicity. Um, you know, the AI element, it's like, how do you write code for mystery you know and I know I'm probably not articulating this question very well I don't have much of a science or AI background but um, you know going back to this idea of art and the idea of like subjective nature of sync I really feel like there's something here that's hard to articulate it's more of like a mystical or experiential knowledge Um, it's very very important in this whole discussion
0: and, yeah, well, again, if we like, we got to factor in those lower or higher dimensions of the South or human psyche, or there's a non local nature to things, so we don't even know how we're tapped into that at all. And so we're like, oh, yeah, we'll know how to make the robots, uh, just like humans. And so we don't even understand what did ourselves.
1: I, hear? I think maybe, John, this might have been somebody you had on your show, uh, the guy who's some of like the computers that write the, like, the, basically, like, quote unquote, journalism?
0: Yeah, computer. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, I mean, first off, that was a horrifying thought. <laughs> yes! It was, um, but, it was also, I couldn't believe, I mean, how Orwell, like, literally Orwellian that is, Insane. right? When they talk about, there's a, there's a, there are lines in 1984 where he's talking about the computers that write the books. The <laughs> the books. they like, um, Oh, we send it to the novel writing machine. The novel might the novel writing machine pumps out books for the the proles. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, or here's this computer that's supposed to like report the news to you. But this, I mean, it's scary on all these different levels, and this is why I want to sort of bring it back to the even the, the that sort of the, the structure of language, like the the McCLuhan. Sort of medium is the message. Uh, again, this sort of burrows virus of language. I'm just curious here. Like, I took, I started out college. I dropped out of college, but I started college as a journalism major, and I, I just thought I'd like to become a journalist. And then I took a few classes, and I was like, "Fuck this bullshit." But basically, the thing that kept getting drilled into us was this idea that there is a formula through which there's an ideal formula for how you're supposed to write an article. And, and it kind of makes sense. I will admit that it, it, it makes logical sense, but it's also, it's, it's playing to the lowest common denominator. It's basically, your first paragraph should summarize the entire event, because a lot of people won't read more than that. So your headline conveys a certain amount of information. Your first paragraph should try and encapsulate the entire story, so that people can, if that's all they read, they kind of know what happened. And then you can kind of, it's almost like um, Russian Dolls, you know, where you can kind of like, all right, now you can expand out a little bit more, but you should still be able to come full circle. And then you come out a little bit more, and you should still come full circle, and that they had this sort of nesting way for people's short attention span, and this was how you wrote newspaper articles, this was how you wrote whatever, and it, it so appalled me as someone who thought, I want to be a writer, and I was like, oh my god, this is... I couldn't just plug these facts into these formulas every day, that would drive me crazy. But I guess my point is that, on one hand, when I hear about the journalism robots, I think, oh, but they're not human. And at the same time, I think, like, ah, but is a human-practicing mainstream Western journalism really using their humanity either. So that's sort of where I'd, I just sort of want to throw that out there if
2: anyone has a thought on that. Well that definitely seems to kind of exist today in terms of like I mean if you especially consider that people are really only reading headlines, I mean, most you know, like the Huffington Post is a is a journalism algorithm, you know. I mean, and it's just aggregating a bunch of content based on a profile of you and people similar to you yeah. uh, based on cool similarities or or other demographical similarities. And, I mean, in a way, that's kind of... It's, it's a software robot. I think about
3: Ezra Pound here. I think about his idea of make it new. That was kind of his directive for poets. And I think it's a nice summary of even, like, from the literature perspective of what actually um is considered literature in its age it's like what turns on it, it it's literature is that which turns on its head the existing linguistic forms that are present in the like literary in vogue you know what i'm saying and so i think there's a process of atrophy and then in order for life to it's going back to this novel, the idea like even viruses i mean they have to they thrive like new territory right and so, you know, these journalism bots, I mean, I don't know, I think you see it in our culture, like Sandy Hook is real, or, you know, that's, there's sort of like a bifurcation, I feel like, of realities. There's the, there's the mechanized, accepted, sort of mainstream, but then there's this whole underground, this underbelly of like open-mindedness, you know,
4: exploration, make it new, explore different pieces, right. kind of thing, so. do yeah. well, what, what, go ahead, go ahead, John. Sir. I feel that, uh, That if uh, an AI being was to uh, come up, it would have to sort of make itself, right? It would start Mm -hmm. off with with a code of some kind, and that code would have to expand and and expand upon itself, so it would be making itself,
0: right? Yeah, and it would have to start from, when you think of where DNA actually comes from, it just started out as a... (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> flow of energy in a certain type of atmosphere and climate, or in the, in a certain amount of chemical broth. So th- at a time there was nothing physical, as far as we understand it. So DNA isn't even prime. Like this soft, we think of DNA as software, as like the thing. But where was where did DNA come from? And what program was running the energy flow that created the DNA? It's like we're literally embedded in this sort of information matrix that seems to you know maybe like what you're saying john is like it exists but it's beyond space time for us and so in the same sense it's like we could never build ai in the same sense that humans were created or anything i don't know what that creative spark right and and this is you see it in varying degrees in nature but humans have the greatest ability to abstract and create symbol sets and create novelty and it's just like, it's uh, almost, if you look at the basic tenets of biology, it's like, we're useless. <laughs> it's like, why are we still here? Well, like, why do we have these faculties and, like, why in this way? Uh, you know, termites and ants and these creatures are beautiful examples of, evo- of, of biological survival. Not necessarily evolution because they've stayed the same for millions and millions of years. But humans are always, like, teetering on self destruction. And it's like we're either a great mistake or the chosen ones or something. <laughs> but uh, it's like, what do you do with that responsibility? One way or another, whether it's for nothing or it's for everything, it's still a responsibility.
1: Is is the, um, when you say they haven't evolved much, but great survival potential is that, like, the ultimate play and safe, conservative yeah. sort of... Yep. You know, it's like, or you can be, we're, we're the reckless, you know, we're going to change at all change or die
0: but you see what happens with if humans are conservative though like an insect because our symbol set is so rich we create something like we've created now which is just like hyper industrialization that's robbing the earth of everything uh and we get locked in we get locked into that after the Mm -hmm. fact so uh we stay conservative with a shitty uh way of doing things We kill ourselves and kill everything else and so we need to be able to adapt quick or i mean that's the way it's like we should always be changing because we're too dangerous to be conservative like lower animals or whatever i hate that term because they're not lower but as far as uh having a capacity for degrees of freedom of thought so i don't know those are like interesting questions and so i don't i don't know if we're yeah useless or somewhere in the middle it's hard to know but I, I mean, it's cool. Whatever, it's cool being human. <laughs> it's it's a weird experience, <laughs> at the very least. You have there? You're being, saying
3: follow the white rabbit. That's what's coming to my mind.
0: You know? Yeah, right. It's just like a bottomless pit of speculation. Uh, but so interesting. It's like it's. I don't know. Like, uh, I was reading a little bit on. I was reading a lot of Robert Anton Wilson this past week. And but he brings up Timothy Leary, and he's like, you know, Leary's tenant was once you start thinking and learning, and you get start getting smarter, you get addicted to it. It's like, and not to put ourselves on pedestals as these great, you know, thought leaders or anything. It's just like, I don't know, I, re- I there's a lot of intelligence here right now. I can just recognize it. It's not, <laughs> it's it's not an academic question. It's just like an obvious thing, uh, and so yeah, bumping into those kind of people or interacting with those people or trying to encourage that kind of thought. Just like, hey, if you want to get addicted to anything, there's like, knowledge is amazing. Gnosis, I mean, the, the Gnostics were onto that at least. It's like, I don't know if it's the black iron prison or not, but it's like you really do ascend through learning. And then, but also integrating a certain amount of lived experience because if you're just in your own head, then you're kind of fucked. But uh it's just that ability to do that. That's really incredible if we choose to do it, which we often don't.
1: Did I see Missy come
0: back? She finally came back. She she said, uh, "Fuck all you guys." That was what she told me to tell you. And she was really pissed off, but then I'm sitting like, come "Fuck ba-. all y'all." Yeah, I'm just like, "Come back, come back. It's fine. No one." I had a I I had
5: to drop off a, co- a costume client. Come back.
0: Yeah, you caught us uh, for a little while longer, so better than nothing. Did well, you we're ex- happy
1: to have you back. Always
0: Yeah. It's uh, what
1: was what back. was the uh, if it's not top secret, what was the, I'm just curious if there's any what was the uh, costume?
5: Uh, um it's a <laughs> it's a black and white sort of cosmic duality. Star meets butterfly Rainbow, very misty costume. <laughs> <laughs> All of those things. Is a rainbow in the dark, basically. No, it's it's rat. She has um well in burlesque they're called isis wings. <laughs> so, um she has um it's like a black and white isis wing that transforms into grey when she twirls mm-hmm. and the top of the elastic harness black, like a black star, inverted, and the bottom is a white star, and they meet in the middle, right in her boob shadow area, it's very great, and yeah, then, have... oh, and then, uh, with like a nude body stocking underneath, that has a, that'll have like a bunch of butterflies basically all over, so as she kind of picks off the different layers of fabric, it'll be revealing rainbow-colored butterflies.
1: That's amazing.
5: Yeah, it'll be really
1: pretty. I, I just want to say, I had a friend that was a belly dancer, and she came to one day, and she's like, do you know what they're actually called ISIS wings? Yeah. She's like, <laughs> like She started listening to some of, some of my <laughs> podcast stuff, and she was like, I didn't know what that was. And she's like, no, they're called ISIS wings. And I was like,
5: yeah, mm-hmm. that's pretty funny. Yeah, it's pretty awesome.
3: Hey, guys, I'm going to have to uh, bow out here. Uh, I just wanted to say it was great chatting and wish you guys a good uh, couple of weeks. Thanks for the talk. Same here. It was great, great talking yeah, you, man.
5: Yeah, nice talking to you, as always.
3: Nice, nice fun. Uh, Misty, as well. All right, guys. Peace out. Peace See out. See you later. See,
5: Bye. Sweet dreams.
0: You too. And then Misty, did you meet Wally yet? I don't know if you knew Wally. Wally's new. this Hi,
5: week. Wally. No, I I didn't get a chance to meet you. I'm sorry, I, I ducked out right when you started your uh, right when you started talking.
2: No problem. Nice to meet you. Go on.
5: Nice to meet you too. Really good. Thank you. Um, actually, I just got moved into a new apartment and officially spending my very first night here. So it's kind of nice to have you guys with me. Wow. Don't don't feel so lonely.
2: It's like a housewarming party.
5: Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> but Wally, where are you again on the West Coast?
2: Uh, I'm in Oakland, California. Oakland. Bay okay. area. Okay. Yeah. That's... Where is it? Where uh, where are you guys?
5: Uh, I'm up in Vancouver, Canada. I was oh, actually wow. just in San Francisco I was just in San Francisco in December actually.
2: Oh wow. Oakland. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's where I am. Yeah. Oakland. I love Vancouver. I'm very jealous.
5: Vancouver is really, really beautiful.
2: It's really
5: beautiful.
0: Mhm. John, where are you at?
4: I'm uh, I'm in a big smoke, Toronto. Oh, okay. Nice. nice. Awesome.
0: Yeah, I remember you mentioned that. I'm on the East Coast right now. I'm in uh, New York, upstate New York. Uh-huh. Uh, so I'm not too far from Toronto, actually, John. And we'll probably like They'd built a ferry to get there at one point, right in my backyard, and then that project got bailed on. Um, so it would have been a ferry ride from you if my t- town and city didn't fuck up. But you're pretty close.
4: Were they up the
0: Hudson? Um, no, it was uh, Lake Ontario. They were going to cross oh, Lake okay. Ontario to get to Toronto. That was the plan. It did not work. Because they're incompetent. And then... Uh,
1: is Tor- Is Toronto the one that's really close to Buffalo? Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah.
4: John, how far are you from Buffalo? An hour. Yeah. Oh, wow. okay. 45 minutes to the border.
0: Yep. And
4: gotcha. so where are you,
0: Alan?
1: I'm presently in Virginia. Oh, uh,
0: nice.
1: not from... No, not nice. But... <laughs> no, I like, like I actually... Just moved into a new apartment 21 days ago, or 20 days ago, I guess, and I actually really like it here. I'm very, very happy here. Um, I have not liked Virginia very much until 20 days
4: ago. (laughs) um, Hey, Alan. Yeah. What did you think of that coin I sent you? What coin? They coined
1: uh, an a Egyptian coin.
4: Didn't get it. No? Did you get that spoon?
1: I didn't have the heart to tell you. It, it didn't... If oh, you remember, there. you know how the first time you sent me something the envelope was all ripped up and there was some stuff inside? Yeah, yeah. I took a picture of it. There, the post office gave me a plastic bag with some pieces of a wooden spoon, but not even all the pieces.
4: Oh, dear. (laughs) Well, I'm just gonna have to send you another one. Well, so let me send... Can you see the video? Can you see the video right now? I see you. Yeah? Yeah, you like that? That's gorgeous, yeah. Yeah, I'll send you that one. You're gonna have to send me your address. I have, uh... I have,
1: I have one of your spoons sitting on my desk right now. You sent me. um... I wish I had a
4: camera on this thing, yeah. but um, the purple heart spoon. Yes. Yeah. Well, the uh, coin that I sent you was uh, it was an Egyptian coin, and it had uh, 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 a Tutankhamen's face on it. Oh wow! But it's just like this one. Maybe you can see it, like this. Can you see that? Okay. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah it was. I was the the sister of this coin. My cousin bought it back for me, said, I thought you'd like that. But
1: I. I uh, appreciate. How you it. It appreciate your thought. Like I said, I didn't have the heart to tell you. That no no like, problem, man. It was, like, it was like it was a really sad thing. It was like, oh, here's a package. Oh, it's. The post up is giving me some pieces of some shit that got destroyed. In the, so, like, you know, I think <laughs> in, a, in a regular envelope, they feed them through those machines, like the letter sorting uh, thing. Yeah,
4: yeah. I it some just th- smashes it. I'll have to do something else. I'll put it in a box next time.
1: Yeah, I'll. I'll let, me, let me send you some money for a, like a like a box, and you know, it's extra <laughs> shipping. uh for a box,
4: four or five dollars.
1: Preachy. But,
4: uh... Yeah, um... Well, uh, I was just wondering what you thought of the coin. Because I, I was trying to slip a sink in there of some kind. <laughs> to, sometimes just to see
1: what happens. I, um... I, see, if I, if, you had sent, if I had gotten the coin, I would have used that to scratch off the tickets. <laughs> John sent me Canadian Lotto tickets that I only scratched off like two of them and <laughs> then I was like, like as first I, started, I was like but I was like you know I have to wait. There's gonna come a moment when the moment's yeah. right that'll be winning tickets.
4: Yeah. I've I've heard stuff about you.
1: Yeah.
4: I've yeah I've uh
1: anytime that I've won the lotto, it was like I knew I was going to So, I was like, maybe there'll come a day where I'm like, now. Now is the day to scratch the tickets. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: (laughs) But, uh...
5: I I always operate on intuition with things like that.
1: Yeah. We went... It was so funny because... I have a few... Go ahead.
5: Oh, I was just going to say, I always wait for the right moment because I'm sure that's when the number has changed to... What I need it to be. <laughs> a thing.
1: The thing—the number inside will change depending on the time. It's like
5: it's, i feel like it's in constant flux. while yeah. it's, exactly.
1: It's—it's—it's exactly. uh, Schrödinger's cat.
5: Exactly. Is it a winner
1: or a loser? I don't know it's until not. I open it. Right? It's—it's it's both it's until I open it.
5: position. Yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
5: nice.
1: So I'm like, well, if I scratch it now, it's—it's it's a dead cat.
5: But exactly.
1: Maybe, maybe. That's exactly gonna... it. Um, <laughs> um, I, went, I went with uh, my wife to... Uh, when we were driving back from California over the summer, um, we stopped in Vegas just for, like, literally, like, we're driving through, and I was like, uh, Will Morgan had given me a few bucks that he asked me to play, because ever, ever since people heard i won the lotto a bunch of times, they're like, oh, my God, you have to... Buy me scratch offs you gotta play the lotto for him. Like, I don't think it works that way for sure, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, we stopped into this casino, and we go up to the roulette wheel, and the like, How does it work? And I was like, Okay, well, you pick the number, and blah, 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 right? And so, I said, You know, okay. And she puts the money down, and the wheel spins, and we lose. And she goes, She was so upset. She's like, I don't get it, I thought you win. And I was like, no, I didn't. I didn't come here saying we're going to win. This is called gambling. I was like, if you don't know... House wins. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, let me introduce you to two different things. There's like, there's intuition like, we have to get in the car right now and drive to Las Vegas because we're going to win a fuckload of money. Or there's, hey, Will Morgan asked us to throw some money to the <laughs> wheel. That's called gambling. <laughs> There were two very different things. We gambled and lost. I also heart- once
5: got really mad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she was so.
1: I crazy. I um.
5: Uh, yeah, I also once got really upset at a roulette wheel because at the Rio Casino they used to have penny slot and nickel slot. And I, they would, like, you, so you could go in with 20 bucks and play penny and nickel swats all night. And they would give you free drinks, like, free beer. And there was, like, $1 beers in addition. So I spent, like, six hours gambling on these penny and nickel swats. And finally worked my way up to, like, $12 worth of winnings, which I was so stoked about. But I was also shit-faced at that point in the evening <laughs> from all the really excessively cheap liquor. And so I exited through the casino and the first thing I saw was a roulette table and all high on my $12 winning. I slapped it down, was sure I was going to win, and then just like in the blink of an eye, it was like six hours of my life, didn't even happen. I was <laughs> so mad I cried. I actually cried, like leaving the casino. <laughs> I'm sure you're not the first person <laughs> to
1: cry leaving
0: the table. I
5: remember the guy, the look on the, the guy's face at the roulette table was just like, it was $12, <laughs> calm down. I'm like, but I just worked so
0: hard.
5: Like, I worked so hard for that.
0: None of it was fun leading up to the $12. It was roulette all evil. Okay. Roulette is
1: amazing.
5: It's evil.
0: No, no, no. So,
5: um, I'm I'm
1: telling my story real quick, I'm trying to this really quick, and I don't, I I don't say this to say, again, this was the misconception, I hate telling this story because everyone thinks that I have, like, super lotto powers or some shit like that, it's just a story, this is what (laughs) happened to me, Mm -hmm. I don't claim to have any control over it, this is what happened to me, as a kid, I, I decided on my 21st birthday, I, so I grew up in New York, the closest place you could gamble was Atlantic City, New Jersey, right? So I said, on my 21st birthday, I'm going to go to Atlantic City, and I'm going to play roulette, and I'm going to play the number 14. So, on my 21st birthday, my brother says, hey, come on, I'm taking you down to Atlantic City. I said, okay, cool. But I'm a kid, I go, you know, the 21, yeah, I have no money. So we get down there, and I have, like, no, yeah, I have like 25 bucks, whatever it is. So we get to the roulette table, and I go, okay, and I put my money down on number 14, And we we were in a few hours to get down there, get there, put the money in the thing, wheel spins, boom, I hit, I win, I win a few hundred dollars, right? And I said, okay, let's go home. He's like, what? I was like, yeah, that's it. Came, played the number, won a fuckload of money, let's go home. Right, this will pay my credit card bill, and, you know, let's go home. Cash out. Yeah, exactly, cash out, go home. And he's like, uh, okay, right? few, I guess about a year later... Um, uh, with this girl, and we're out on a date, and I, like, we're just, I have no idea what the fuck to do. And somehow we end up on a bus to Atlantic City. And then I realized, I don't really have much money in my pocket. And we get down there, and I was like, how are we gonna, what are we gonna, she goes, where are we gonna stay tonight? And I'm like, well, like, sleep on the beach, or, <laughs> and she's like, looking at me like, no motherfucker, <laughs> I sleep on a fucking beach, you know? I'm like, well, I don't have money for a hotel. I was like, well, All right, I got 15 bucks. Let's go to the roulette wheel. (laughs) Go in, put it down. I found the same roulette wheel where I won with my brother. I go in, put the money down. Boom, I win. Take that money, cash out. Okay, let's go. Right? Go back a year later to the same fucking thing. I won, and I did the, the permutations of it. I think it was four four times in a row like that, okay, um, I went to a casino, the experience you had, where I went to a casino, and it was in Connecticut, and I, we got there at like 2 a.m., and we'd go into the casino, and I was like, alright, I'm, I'm getting a fucking drink, we'd walk in, like, oh, sorry, we don't serve liquor anymore, I'm like, what do you mean, it's a fucking casino, like, give me a drink, <laughs> you know, and they're like, no, Connecticut state law, you can't serve alcohol after two. I'm like, you're on an Indian reservation. You're not allowed to gamble in Connecticut either. <laughs> Give me a fucking drink. You know, he's like, no. He's like, all right, we're getting out of here. We're going home. We're going all the way back home, you know, whatever. But, no, like, we just got there, so I'm playing slot machines, playing all these things that I don't actually feel any connection to and I'm losing. And I was like, man, there's no roulette table. I'm walking all around the casino, I can't find a roulette table. And I was like, that's my lucky thing. That's my lucky thing. Finally, on my way out, I find a roulette table, and the minimum bet was 25 bucks. I had 25 bucks left. I said, okay, put it down, boom, win, go home. So, luck, in my experience, has been amazing, but, again, this is why my wife was so upset. It's like people then think, oh, Alan, I'm taking you to Atlantic City so you can go win me money. And I'm like, I'm going to send you some more lottery tickets. (laughs) But the thing is, I was like, I don't think it works that way. I was like, it was just like, in that moment, it was the zone, I don't know, I don't know. Right?
0: I think it's like definitely, uh, there might be something to that being in the zone with affecting probabilities. I mean, they already know you can kind of affect dice in a small way. In controlled experiments, so it's micro PK, it's proven. Again, proof. I'm just using these words. Uh, Right, it's
1: when you know you're going to win, perhaps. It could be a premonition, too, right? Yeah, or a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm -hmm. What if your knowing is actually influencing it, Mm -hmm. right? It's this idea of when we talk about confidence, doubt, all that sort of stuff. If I walked in there and I know without a doubt I'm going to win, perhaps my belief has actually influenced the I, I don't know. I don't know.
4: I'm just totally speculating. Well,
0: especially I mean I, like go ahead John. I used
4: to play a lot of poker <laughs> and uh there's this uh there's this one game where you get three cards, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, uh if you lose, if you don't win any any hands, you have to match the pot. So uh um I was playing, and uh, I had the nuts. Sorry, I had every card below the nuts. So, like the best three cards, like
0: the uh, second that nuts.
4: weren't the best. Like right? the second best three cards, three times in a row, and I lost to the guy with the nuts three <laughs> times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> and every time, I knew I wasn't gonna win. <laughs> but I went on math, right? Like, yeah, it's mathematically to. impossible, not obviously, <laughs> that I'm going to lose all three hands, right? And all I right. did three times in a row. Uh, most times, I, I think almost every time that I remember, anyways, I feel like this is true. That uh, if I win, I already know that <clears throat> I'm going to win, or I totally forgot about the possibility of winning. Right. <laughs> mm. And it comes up, and I'm like, I, I didn't even know I entered this, right?
0: Yeah. It's, so, <laughs> it's so funny. I used to play a lot too, uh, but in it the states. That, awesome. Did you play online or a lot or live?
4: No, no, always uh, with like Italian guys.
0: Yum. Okay. And
4: fill the pill. Hugo and all kinds of crazy okay. people.
0: Oh man, I like. Uh, that sounds really fun. <laughs> like University
4: professors and and mafiosos, and, oh, and they all think
0: they can play, and they all suck. And <laughs> and you only lose when you have your second nuts run into the first nuts over yeah. and over and over again. But that shit happens. It's funny Like variance is an interesting thing.
4: I I, I went I went I was up fifteen hundred dollars, and I went down in three hands. Went down to two thousand oh, dollars.
0: Dude, that's brutal. In three hands. Yeah, it's like it can just like that's why you need a bankroll. A lot of people don't play with a bankroll and they just go broke because <laughs> you have to know that you're going to go through streaks when you just hit horrible, horrible luck. Yeah. so I, I, After that, yeah.
4: you weren't after that in the game we were playing. You weren't allowed to uh, to borrow money from your buddy anymore. <laughs> if you didn't have the cash. You couldn't play anymore. Yeah.
0: Yeah. How big? How big was the game?
4: No, like, normally. It was like it was just like that particular game that went really. Hi. Normally, if you bring two hundred bucks with you, you're fine. That was good. Like you
0: wouldn't lose or, or you, you could win more than two, but you couldn't lose more than two. Right. Than two. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I'm starting to reach the end of my rope here. you guys uh want to call you. it a night?
1: Oh, dude, I gotta be at work in a few hours.
0: <laughs> All right. So we'll let you get some sleep. Yeah. Later. Um. Thanks for sticking it out.
1: Yeah, of course. This has been a sure.
4: real, real pleasure. This is like I almost it can always record, man. <laughs> I
0: got I got an hour and twelve minutes of it. So right after Alan started talking about one three seven, so we got some oh, good Yes, yeah.
1: yeah, when, uh, when Wally was talking with Zappa, and I realized, oh, we're we're having a real conversation. I texted John and I said, "Tell me you're recording this." <laughs> and he's like, "I'm not, but I can." <laughs>
0: Right right, up, right after I sounded really smart, then I started recording, so I missed, of course, my best contributions, <laughs> which I'm really sad about. But whatever. John, I,
1: don't, I don't. I don't. remember there was a point in which you sounded really smart. It was.
4: Who <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: are you talking to? Fuck everybody. Whatever.
2: Oh, that John. Yeah. <laughs> okay, hey, Molly. You sounded, I, think. I did. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I'll check that out.
4: It's really cool. It's interesting. Yeah. uh, It's a podcast about uh, this guy that made a a dummy of Frank Zappa, and hilarity ensues.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think that's that's the expected outcome of of making a dummy (laughs) of Frank Zappa. Yeah, I look forward to that. (laughs) Oh, and synchronicity, too. It's very synchronicity. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Zappa, do, do you guys know Zappa's uh, term, Xeno-crony?
0: I love that. I, I hadn't, but I love it. Yeah, What's well, uh,
2: xenophony? Zeno, well, uh, crony so it's like. Um, oh, like, crony. Xeno uh, is, you know, like a foreign, uh, or like it's like the, 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 the Greek root for foreign, I think, or strange, um, mm-hmm. and then crony for time. And he invented that term to describe. Uh, a technique he would, uh, he did in the album Joe's Garage and several albums later for his guitar solos. Like, every night, uh, when he was on tour, he would record just his guitar solos, uh, or he'd have a separate tape recorder that would just record the solo, uh, and, and nothing else. And then he would take that solo, um, and mix it with a recording of a of a of a rhythm section like bass bass keyboards and and drums that he records in the studio separately, and then he would put them together um just and just put them on top of each other to these two events that happened totally separately and, and he called that z so he would have um you know so it would be a guitar solo from like some gig in like I don't know Buffalo New York. Um, that he cuts into the middle of one of his tracks, like Keep It Greasy or whatever, and it's the, the, everybody else in the band is playing in the studio, and they don't hear the solo. So so the result that you're hearing is these two separate worlds that he's put together, and a bunch of the solos on Joe's Garage are like that. And so you hear all of these accidental synchronicities that just sometimes it totally falls apart, and sometimes it totally li- syncs up, in ways that you know were obviously never intentional. Um,
0: that's so yeah, awesome. I mean, that's, beautiful.
2: Yeah, it's a it's a it's a musical uh, technique that you know comes up a lot. Like um, just the idea of and recording allows you to really take that to an extreme, where you record one performance that's its own thing and then another one, and then you just combine them and look for you know this the simultaneities that happen.
0: That's uh, that's um, sort of what I do with my other show. So I help Ellen and David and now Kevin do always record, but I I do another show called Pentimental,
2: and yeah, I do yeah, two separate
0: yeah, sec- yeah I right. do two separate interviews and just put them side by side. So I obviously can't overlay audio, but at the same time I can kind of make them a unit. Uh, and in the same way, you know, I have an electron and a positron crash together, and something totally. just comes out, you know? So yeah, a collision.
2: It's a collision.
0: Yeah. You know, and-
2: it's just like it's just like CERN, you know. It's just you're finding you're finding sub subatomic particles and particles mess.
0: that are never there until you slam that stuff together. Because like we wouldn't exactly. know those particles existed without exactly. those colliders, which is interesting. But, uh, uh, it's all jazz, uh,
1: man. It's all jazz. <laughs> right. I would be remiss if I didn't mention that. Uh, oh, I, I don't know. I'm gonna. I could I could find it, but uh, a long time ago on Always Record. Bill took... He called it Random Cuts. Oh, yeah. So it's sure. in between episodes 19 and 20. I don't know if anyone's heard this. I've read that. Um, I, when I first heard it, I spoke to him and I was like, hey, why didn't you play this clip with this clip? Like, thinking that he was trying to weave, like, a conversation. Right? And, uh... I was like, oh, man, it would have been perfect if you put this specific thing here. And he's like, oh, no, 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 they were really random. He's like, I just took chunks from different episodes. And But he, he does, I mean, it's it's hard to listen to, it's hard to pay attention to in the fact that there's, like, five conversations going on at once. He just overlays five different podcasts. Yeah. And then sometimes it's like you realize, oh, they're talking about the same thing. And then sometimes it's not, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's. Language is a hard thing to layer that way, but I just feel like I would be if I didn't mention that such a thing actually was done. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> totally. Well, it's like that. It's like that scene in Amadeus when he's like, he's pitching his opera to the emperor, and he's like, "Imagine how many, how many voices I have, you know? Yeah. guess." He's like, twenty, 20, you know." It's like only music, you know, can have so many conversations at once and it not be a total chaos or whatever. Um. that's what I just thought of all of a sudden. <laughs> no, I I love I that movie. Oh, God, I've seen it so many times. Yeah. Was, that was how I spent my birthday this year. Oh, right uh, on.
1: on. I'm met uh, actually man, Tom Hulse. He's one of the only, like, Hollywood people that I ever ever, like, actually rushed over.
5: Who? Nice.
0: Tom uh,
1: Hulci. Yeah. Oh, is that how you... See, I don't even have to say his last name. Oh, I don't thing. know. I was, yeah, I don't so know. I, know.
2: I said Hulse. Hulse. Was how was. Yeah, that might be but, right. I don't know. I'm hold, hold, pulse. pulsey. Sure, we're both right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh,
5: yeah,
2: I worked, I worked at a, I
1: worked at a pharmacy in um, village uh, in, in mm-hmm. Manhattan, and I'd have like all sorts of different actors. Like it was like the the least glorious way you can meet a celebrity. Like what's the guy um, <laughs> Chris 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 Noth. Nah, whatever <laughs> yeah. you know who that is? Yeah.
5: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, you know, helping him find, uh, you know, stuff for his constipation. <laughs> you know, it's not a really good way to start a conversation. Seriously? <laughs> really?
2: Seriously? You, helped, you helped Mr. Big find his <laughs> He was, yeah, and he
1: was like, uh, he was uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he actually ended up buying Metamucil. <laughs>
0: That's a
1: good
4: choice.
0: <laughs>
1: Awesome. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so uh, there's probably there's probably some law that says I can't say that you know it's private medical information. You're
0: gonna get a yeah, like a. uh, Did you
1: sign an (laughs) NDA? No. And I and I lost my I lost my pharmacy license years ago for other um.
5: (laughs) things.
0: I'm so glad we stayed on for that.
1: But uh, yeah, so I did help Mr. Big get Metamucil, <laughs> but then I, and then I met and then I met Tom, and and it was the funniest thing is that everyone was like, you know, different celebrities would come in and everyone was like, oh, what's oh, that guy? It's whatever, you know. And um, suddenly, so Tom comes in and I'm like, oh my god, it's Amadeus, and everyone's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Who is this guy? <laughs> you know, <And> I'm like, <laughs> no, no, oh, it was, it was. That was a sad day for me because I realized that no one
2: knew who the fuck he was. <laughs> right. Yeah. He never like became an A-lister. Yeah. He's great. But uh, he was good at Parenthood. We should put him in the parent trap. There you go. I
5: was just thinking that. <laughs> Get out of my brain, Alan. I can't. I know, I was just down about that. <laughs> Did you, okay, so I mean you probably get like a million Facebook messages all the time. But if you just for fun want to scroll down and find the last message I sent you, it might be entertaining. Oh, uh,
1: sure. I, I have sent, to... you oh, run, I sent
5: you something.
0: Oh, Ron, then. Yeah, that sounds really... You know,
1: can I tell you something? It's
5: visual.
0: <laughs> oh, um, I am definitely, I am
1: signing in right now. <laughs>
5: see these eyebrows? See these eyebrows?
1: Wait, I gotta go back to you. Okay, alright. Okay, see you.
5: <laughs> there may or Saw may not be the own in
1: it. Saw the eyebrows. <laughs> the dumpster god.
5: I'm making you a comic book character (laughs) That's awesome the conspiracy of my life You're you're the, I feel like you're the, um You're gonna be the dumpster god And (laughs) (laughs) you don't actually have a presence in the story You're sort of like, um you're sort of like the briefcase in Pulp Fiction. Ooh,
1: <laughs> that is really cool. <laughs> yeah, really, really cool.
5: I'll send you the updated version. <laughs> <laughs> this
1: is awesome. <laughs> you know, when I first looked at it, I thought it said the dumpster goo. <laughs> 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 No, uh, better. Um, I'm the dumpster goo. What are you
0: what are you saying?
5: Dumpster spunk Uh
0: oh. Oh my god. Um
1: can I tell you guys something real quick is sure. to say that uh Facebook if you don't sign into it for like a month it's even weirder. Oh. Like <laughs> yeah. like Facebook is already like, uh, I'm not sure what the point of this is. And then if you don't look at it for a <laughs> on, you come back and you're like, I don't, what are these, what are these people doing? What are they talking about?
5: <laughs> I know! And it just keeps going! It's like the song that never ends.
1: Yeah, and I was sort of like, I signed in, yes, uh, yesterday or the day before, to, cause I had to, I actually had to send someone a message, I didn't have any other way to get to them. And I sort of scrolled for about. What am so doing now? I'm scrolling for like thirty seconds. And I'm like, yeah, all right. It just kind of keeps going like that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's endless.
1: But I'm glad that I signed in to see your your amazing dumpster goo.
5: Okay, so if I want to continue to send you random brain barf, where do I send it?
1: Oh, you could send. I mean, I'm. Sure, listen, I'm not. I can't. Oh, don't be sad. You know don't be sad. I'll, I'll, I'll sign it to Facebook. I'll sign it to Facebook just for you. Okay. Just to
5: works, check yeah. in on there's your also, comic book character.
1: There's also... I don't know how it works of texting from Canada. Does that work?
5: How's oh, that? yeah? <laughs> <laughs> it,
0: does, it does work. I totally text you. <laughs> That's dangerous, though. <laughs> Do
5: you have an iPhone?
1: I don't have an iPhone. I got um, I got a $10 smartphone. Ooh. It's some Chinese... It's some Chinese knockoff smartphone. That works well enough. I
0: gotta get one of those. I'm using a fucking flip phone. It's a horror phone. Well, that's I, just
1: it. Like, basically what happened was... Um, <clears throat> Alright, so we built the web... We're building a website, like, you know, doing this whole thing, and then we, we built the member section. We all this sort of stuff. And like basically the project took so fucking long and I was getting so fucking broke. So as soon as it was like done, I went boom, went back to this job and I was just working like crazy hours. Well of course what happens is I don't check my email for about a week and in that time some guy had emailed me and said, hey I bought this membership thing and it wasn't working and he was having trouble logging in and it was some glitch that we did wrong and blah 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 and I was like, oh my god, this is totally unacceptable. I just sold this guy this thing and it's just some fucking work and I didn't get back from for a week. I was like, unacceptable, and I just went to the store and I was like, I need a phone that can check email. And I've resisted a smartphone for so long, but I was like, I need to be able to see an email that that never happens again. So, I got a $10 Alan, why, do you, why do you have an aversion to smartness? <laughs>
5: Explain why.
1: You know, I just, I remember a time when, like, if people were standing around.
5: <laughs> I remember the eye sound contact. of clicking buttons. I remember an age of
1: eye contact and, like, like like longer than 30-second attention spans where you could be talking to someone before their head just drooped down and they're like, huh? Yeah, uh-huh. Uh-huh. click click quick. Uh-huh. uh-huh. uh-huh you am sorry? What would you say? <laughs> I remember for an age when that didn't happen, and you know what? Well, that's when
5: you I just like, you just in the forehead. I've had
1: I've had this thing for like two months now, and I don't feel it happening. There are I've I've done that. I've done it now. Well, my wife said something to me, and I'm like, huh? Oh,
3: what? I'm sorry, I'm looking at the screen.
4: My uh, nephew the other day, a little while ago, asked me, uh, so. What did you guys do before cell phones? <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere, and you can't make it. Like, what do you do? And, well, you, you, you use a landline, man. <laughs> you know? Like, how often does it happen a where thunder. you. Yeah, it, it just does, you know, occasionally it'll happen, but then
2: occasionally your batteries die. Ah, yes. Good point. Wow, well, this picture is exactly what I'm talking about. Exactly, yes. Check out the link. And that was in 2012. I mean, God, it's gotten so much worse. For real. Ugh. I ride the train every day to work, and, like, if you're looking up, you are a leper. I mean, if you're, like, <laughs> you look around, you're the crazy one. <laughs> Seriously, like people, and people momentarily, people momentarily like look up and they'll see you and they'll just like, and oh, they're like right back down.
0: That's why, uh-huh. like, that's why I like not having one. It's not the temptation's not even there. I have to fixate on the, on the ugly world around me sometimes, well most of the time. So I feel like there's some sort of existential benefit yeah. from it.
2: It has like benefits. I, I read a lot more on, with it for some reason. I finish books for some reason. Oh really? I read them on my phone. It's very strange.
0: Uh, but well, I'm not. Com- I mean, it isn't. It isn't. Like for me, it's a bit of a turnoff. But I guess I haven't. I don't know. Our nervous systems all work differently.
2: It's it's true. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I
0: think it's the simplest way of putting it, but. Uh... Hey, whatever makes you take in information, it's like that's what it's yeah. really there for. Honestly, it's like it's just people fucking use it for such super. Well, for me, like down. just
2: seeing a big block of text, not even even considering mm-hmm. what it contains, just the chunk of text was always just like, oh god, mm-hmm. you know, like, and because like I, whenever I would read, I would just daydream, and mm-hmm. so, and then if it's like a chunk of text and it's a stack of pages of chunks of text, I'd just be like, oh god, that's. That's too much. But if it's on this little screen, I'm like, oh, I can read that. Yeah. You go, oh, I can read that. Oh, I can read that. That's a good point. You know, and like reading these five-page books, you know. Yeah. And I I remember one one time I finished a book on on the little Kindle app or whatever, and just by chance I was in a bookstore and and thought of it and went and found the actual book, and it was like this thick. And I was like, I've never (laughs) read a book this thick. (laughs) cover. Ever. Ever. And I did, and it, it was mind-blowing, but it was I think it was just like a psychological trick, yeah. you know, I was playing with myself to, like, get over that fear ah. of having to commit to a fucking stack of text, you know.
0: It's like a magical act. I mean, that's really yeah. what, like, a lot of magic is, just altering your yeah. own perception to exactly. experience exactly. reality differently.
2: So, I have, I, I totally understand, though, like, I, I mean, I, I, I deliberately try to not use my phone when I'm commuting, um, but I also appreciate that for my attention span, it seems to, to work as far
0: as reading. <laughs> I can respect that. Yeah. So, uh, are we good uh, signing off for now? Sure. Okay. Sorry. Think, I'm yeah,
1: this it's been really, really nice to get to uh, talk to everybody tonight. Yeah. So, like I, I hope anyone, I hope everyone enjoyed this even mm-hmm. half as much as I did. So. Very no. much so. Yeah,
0: it this is great. really good content.
2: That's That's awesome. a-
0: I used to think that it was my school. I was the king of every school activity. But that's no more, oh mama, what will come of me? The other night we painted posters. They played some records by the coasters.
5: Bunch of pom-pom girls look down their nose at me They had painted
0: times of posters I had painted three I hear those secret whispers everywhere I go My squirrel's fear is at an all-time I'm not gonna lie to to lie to to lie to
5: sing and dance